from Invisible Studios. This is the Side Podcast. Whimsical cultural analysis presented in relevant, understandable ways that critique and celebrate hip-hop while discussing our place in it. I am your host, Dr. Brian Keith Hoskins. Today, we begin our season two, episode five with Ether, where we explore how Drake got on rap's radar over the last decade, dive into three random topics, our therapy exercise, either or, neither nor, what we not gonna do, talking about and end with the detangle. Why we need to stop living in the past, present, and future. Don't forget to download this episode and subscribe. Clear Vision 2020, that's the vibe. <laughs> I had to do it. Let's go. I remember listening to Diplomatic Immunity. You know, you had the line where you say you're black excellence, but it was come to you, it's not the same though. Like, why do you think that still, like, I guess, that dark cloud is over you, over your head? Um, well, I think I've been in a lot of rooms and in, in a lot of conversations and just felt, I've felt um, the other side of, of, judgment and, you know, racial judgment sometimes, mm -hmm. like being light, being light-skinned, mm -hmm. you know, being Canadian, having people that I look up to and respect tell me that I can't identify with what's going on because, you know, and granted, I'm also not the most outspoken person when it comes to political issues. Yeah. I prefer to talk about it um, amongst my people, and if we're going to do something, I prefer to go and make the change or actually, actually do something. Complete context, right? So this is Drake, King Drake Cole. <laughs> yeah, on his interview. So Rap Radar, two weeks ago, uh, B-Dot, Elliot Ness, Elliot Ness, Elliot Wilson, they dropped uh, this interview with Drake. And so it was extra loaded. A whole lot of nuggets in it that they really didn't dive into. And the one thing that I thought about was my son. He always talks about this light skin privilege, <laughs> about light skins. Right. And to me, it's the parallel between what it means to be light skin, which is often framed as the right skin. Right. And so it's interesting to hear Drake speak about being black. Right. Because what he's alluding to is being black and what that looks like and how his black ain't the same. Right. And so he's, he sounds troubled, like like he's harmed or hurt by it. But yeah, let me this, this is him continuing. Um, some of like my my blackest friends can be just as as cruel on the other end, mm. um, you know, by by making you feel excluded um, or making you feel like you're not uh, you're not you can't get in on this. <laughs> and and sometimes I do feel like sometimes I do feel like if uh, you know sometimes I don't feel celebrated when I know maybe somebody else would be celebrated mm. for those accomplishments. You know, mm. I don't feel like people say when when. When, when Drake is the artist of the decade, I don't think anybody says, wow, a black artist is the artist of the decade. I don't think anybody says that, really. I never heard anybody say that in the last few weeks. Um, you know, and I associate, my, you know, I, I associate myself as a black man. So for me, um, I, yeah, it just, it's sometimes I, I, some, it's something that I just acknowledge and I just keep it moving. But, you know, like I said, I feel like if the situation was different, I feel like maybe some of the, some of the massive accomplishments and accolades that we've, mm -hmm. that, we've, that we've conquered on behalf of all of us, not just me. It's not like some, you know, it's, just, it's for all of us, right? 
just like how excited I am when anybody else in our space does something great, you know? Yeah, of course, there's a part of me that wishes that I was celebrated a little more. Well, Drake, guess what? We're going to celebrate you, baby. <laughs> On Facade Podcast, we acknowledge you wasn't the hottest MC of the decade. You might have been the hottest entertainer, but not the hottest MC, right? And so, but it, it, it blows my mind that still, even someone as rich, as accomplished, right, who has contributed to hip-hop, greatest Canadian MC ever, right, in this era of streaming, I mean, it's, you, you can't even connect him. Anyone doesn't even compare to him, right? And so it is, um, man, it hurts me to hear him say that. I remember growing up, because I'm dark, extra dark, darker than a thousand midnights, I grew up getting called blackie or, you know, darky, whatever. So I was extra, the black African shaman was 100,000 <laughs> when I grew up, right? So my pride about being black was, I knew I was black, but I can't imagine being, you know, black and white, being biracial, and people not really acknowledge him as a white MC. Like, I don't really hear people talk about that. It's like President Obama's the parallel. Obama was, is the greatest president ever to me, right? But he's white and black, right? But to be black, to acknowledge yourself as a black man, see, construct yourself as a black man, and hear black people, like, that's anti-blackness. That's a perfect example of what it means to be anti-black, is to deny someone their belief that they are black when they were born black, right? And it's just... I don't know. It's asinine, but it uh, it bothers me that he has that he has to wrestle with that. And I wish in the interview that I delved into it a little bit more around what it means to be a black man, how he sees himself, right? Because I, I acknowledge him as a, as a great a black artist that did his thing, one hundred. I see him as black, and so it's uh, yeah. I never, I never been in that. I never had the racial conundrum where I wasn't black enough, so I over tried to prove myself as black. And then if I don't try to prove myself as black, they say I, I'm trying to be white, even though he is white. So anyway, yeah. Then if you continue, I was mad because my my favorite Drake album was Nothing Was the Same. Yeah, and I feel that's like my that, favorite that, album. That does, really? Is that your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it Why is it still your favorite? And I feel like maybe Kendrick's ascension at the time, you know, was part of it, but I feel like it wasn't fully embraced as I thought it should have been. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. It, it was it, it again. It, as time progresses, I have a lot of people come to me and say, you know what? I like nothing was the same better than Take Care. Yeah. It's just time has to pass yeah. for people to like, you know, I also make, I make music that ages well. Yeah. So, so sometimes you have to revisit some of the projects and realize how, you know, how well they were. Tuscan leather still goes. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> the reason why nothing was the same is my, is my favorite album is because of, the fact that it was probably my most concise album. Mm. And within that concise offering was a lot of, a lot of great shit. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I didn't need to go make, for example, 25 songs at that time. I had, I think there's like 15 songs mm -hmm. on there or something. And it's like, it's a, it's a great number. I just like where it sits. And I like the ratio of like, you know, there's, I don't know, I just, there's not, there's not too many songs on that album that I can look back on and say, like, oh, I would have done something different there. You know, I, I really do like that body of work. I was surprised. Nothing was the same. So I like Nothing Was the Same. It's the Drake album with him with the little kid, then him with the afro, reminiscent of Biggie's album cover with him with the afro, Nas's album cover, right? With him with the kid picture. I appreciate that. 2013, I graduated with my PhD from the University of Utah. So my mind was in, 
a different space. I remember downloading that album. I drove to uh, drop my son off. Well, no, I did not. I did not. 2013, yeah, I graduated with my degree. And so, but emotionally, for me, Drake's favorite, my favorite Drake album is Thank Me Later. Came out in 2010, had uh, fireworks on it, you know, show me a good time. Ooh, that was <laughs> light up, find your love. Fancy? So you fancy, huh? Are you fancy, huh? Are you fancy, huh? Yeah, I, lo- I love that joint. And so I, here's what I believe. I'm, I'm done rating music. I'm, I, well, after this pod, I'm going to rate something later. <laughs> but after this pod, I'm done rating music. Because I realized that rating of music is highly subjective. And where you were, I believe, most emotionally vulnerable, that artist in music is the greatest to you. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. 2010? Yeah, I was... I was in a low place. I didn't know if I was going to get my PhD. I was in Utah. I was the only black doc student in my class trying to get that PhD. It was just, man, oh, it was, it was turmoil. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of turmoil going on. And that Drake, he, hey, Draco, he got me through it. Yeah, he got me through it. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm surprised he said that, that that's his favorite album. Most people say it's Take Care, 2011, and that Take Care was fire. Yeah, it was a great album. I liked it. Marvin's Room, my favorite song on that, but I digress. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, Thank Me Later. That's Fireworks. That's my favorite Drake song of all time, but that's just me. But again, music is connected to who we are, how when our souls have been ruptured and they're trying to heal, the music that helps us get through that space, yeah, I think that's where we rank music as the greatest, greatest artist, greatest attachment to it, because it helped us get from devastation to our glow up, right? And so this is the this is the conclusion, not the conclusion of it, but here's the, the next section of the interview. It just is what it is. There's a point where there's a point where you're gonna want to stop rapping. I'm sure I could say something about you know your lovely lady or you know a child or a family member, and you're just gonna want to not really rap anymore. Yeah, um, so that's just kind of where that's just kind of where I got to. It's just. I just had to admit, like, yo, I'm, I'm really, you know, and, and when I was making, when I was making the record, in response, which was a real record, I know people think it's like some myth. Um, it was like on this vinyls beat, and I just found myself saying things that, like, one seemed really out of character, just because I was like really deeply invested in the situation and getting very angry, um, and saying things that I didn't, I don't know if in two years I'd want to hear myself say, and, um, yeah, I just. I just really, I just realized that like nobody cares about this guy, so it's not really much I can say big, better than Drake has a baby. I, he won, you know, he won off that, off that, uh, off that bomb. So, it was intriguing to hear Drake admit that he lost that battle against Push. Yeah, I believe he lost the battle against Push, and it wasn't because he said you was hiding the baby from the world or the world hiding from the baby. <laughs> that wasn't it. Right? So it was, uh, to me, it was just bar for bar. Push murdered him. And, and after the way that he murdered Meek, that make Meek, that Drake murdered Meek, man, I was just like, wow. I, hate, I hated to see Drake get done like that. And then he went on the, I can't respond because, you know, there's going to be some gangsters that pop off. That was interesting. And that's what he's alluding to. Not alluding to saying that, you know, eventually, hey, we're going to stop talking. Somebody going to have dirt put on their chest because they ain't here no more. And I'm like, man, it's, it's reminiscent of Biggie and Pop. 
Well, sometimes it, you know, the, the lyricism steps out the booth and spills into the streets. And I know they both got gangsters surrounded by them. Drake got mild ties. Push got underworld ties. And so, yeah, that was that was a good beef to cook. I, I wish I could have had a sample. I'm trying to do my vegan thing, but I would have took a sample of that beef <laughs> for sure. Because it was, oh, man, it, it, was, it was good cooking up. I like that Drake didn't talk about him in the blackface neither. So that's the question I would have asked. What was up with you in the blackface picture? What what was that? Where that come from? What that what that do? So that, but that goes back into the blackness thing, because I think I can't see a black person and Drake's black. But I so if you black and conscious, not woke, whatever that means. If you black and conscious, you're not gonna put black on your face. You're not gonna be in blackface nowhere ever, never ever. And the fact that Drake was in blackface for whatever reason. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not the keeper of the black, so I ain't going to say his black is suspect, but I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But I'm American-born, though. He's not. So it, it, it may look, his learning about the history of blackface might look a little different, might not be as offensive to him or offensive at all. Clearly, not offensive at all. And so, yeah, that was, that was a great interview. I just thought I would approach it a little differently. With a, you know, I, got to, I just can't, I can't take the professorial lens off. I wish I could sometimes, but I y'all to ask him a couple, some more questions. Man, we know about the hits. We know you're a great artist. We know how you put the words together. We appreciate that, 100. Yeah, but I just would, I would have been more. Um, he'd have been on my couch, even though he was on his couch in a video. Yeah, he'd have been on my couch, and we'd have got, we'd have unpacked a little bit more than that. So shout out to Drake. Uh, that was my favorite interview of 2019. And shout out to B Dot and Elliot. They did it. They did it up extra. Big, so yeah, we're gonna move into the next phase of the podcast, which is <laughs> three random topics. So, how many of y'all love Jesus the Christ? Raise your hands up. So, shout out to my Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish listeners, but it's just we just going for. Yes, if you love Jesus the Christ, hold your hand up. Okay, I see y'all. I see y'all out there. So, <laughs> I was raised in a Baptist church, right? Where you had to go to church five days a week, right? So, they had the uh, missionary night. They had a Bible study night. They had the uh, kids church. You had to go to choir rehearsal with your mama. And then you had to go to church on Sunday, right? So, that was five times I went to church a week, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a preacher. Holy Spirit didn't move me that way. Hallelujah. Anyway, this era, I see the cousin. I went to Oklahoma over the break, got to chop it up with all my kin folks, a couple of my cousins. I was like, yeah, man, how church been? They was like, yeah, church is great. Uh, I watch church, you know, every evening. You know, and I was like, well, hey, you watch church every evening? Yeah, they was like, yeah, I go to uh, church on Facebook. <laughs> And I said, what? They said, yeah, I go to church on Facebook. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? And they was like, yeah, I log on to the uh, church at 11. I get dressed. <laughs> I get dressed. I get, he said, I get dressed. And then I sit down in my chair in my living room. And then I, I live stream church. What? <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, it's Bishop... Uh, T.D. Jakes, or uh, what's the one that asked for the jet? What's the one that asked for the jet? The preacher. 
You know, don't no. <laughs> oh, Creflo Dollar. Yeah, Creflo Dollar. Oh, he was in the video. Oh, welcome to Atlanta. What a yeah. But anyway, and so I was like, yeah, you do what? He was like, yeah, I log on. And I was like, where are they at? He was like, they in uh in Edmond. I was like, Edmond. First of all, you live in Edmond. <laughs> Second of all, you can drive to church. And he was like, nah, just like the intimate expression, just me and Jesus in the church. What? <laughs> so the first thing I thought about was how you pay tithes. Tithes. How you pay that if you logging on Facebook? And so I didn't ask them because I don't want to get rude. I don't want to be getting to nobody's money. But I was thinking, you know, paying tithes is an important part of going to church. You got to give you 10% back to Jesus. You get you get $1,000. You got to give him 100 of that. Is it before or after taxes? That's a debate. They don't talk about that in the Bible. So I'm going with before taxes, right? You got to give Jesus his $100. But yeah, Facebook? But he's an introvert, just like me, INTJ. But I wouldn't go to church online. <laughs> no judgment. Like, I want to feel the choir. I want to see the spit coming out their mouths. When they singing, do not pass me by. Do not pass me by. Do not pass me by. Dun, 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 dun. Like, you got to be uh, you gotta be immersed in the Holy Spirit when it comes down upon you. You got to be immersed. You can't just be online. Like, how do you catch the Holy Spirit online? Is it a digital Holy Spirit? <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> God, I'm just, hey, it's just, I'm just talking. There's no disrespect. Yeah, is it a digital Holy Spirit? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. So I, I just couldn't, I really couldn't get in, into that. But I respect, I got respect because he's not the only one to do it. A couple more people, they go to church on Facebook. So, you know, shout out to Facebook, man. It's for people using the technology to get closer to Christ. I'm out here for that. I'm not, it's just certain things I'm not doing as relates to the church. Like my dad told me to wear a suit every time I go to church. My Uncle Johnny told me a man should only wear a black suit, a gray suit, or a uh, navy blue suit. That's it. Even on, during Easter, navy blue. I'm not red shoes, red shirt. Yeah, that's Church of the Red Horns. <laughs> red tie, I'm not, I'm not doing none of that. But yeah, Facebook church. So shout out to y'all that go to Facebook church. Take your uh, real church. Next topic. Commodity cheese. <laughs> Let me say it again. Commodity cheese. So one thing I like about Christmas holidays, right, is going about figuring out from the elders when the elders come, the elders came to my house. My mom and dad is over 79. My aunt Fat is 70, 80, 80. My aunt Joanne is uh 81, 81. Yeah. And so it was it was elders in the building. And so somehow they got on this conversation about commodity cheese. Now, thanks to the God, since we're on a God type, the grace of God, I never had commodity cheese. I don't want to know about no commodity cheese. I don't want to know what it feel like, what it tastes like. Because <laughs> I grew up forced to eat pimento cheese sandwiches with just mayonnaise and cheese. Nasty ever. <laughs> I don't think I knew that it was a such thing as meat until I turned three or four. Because I was just eating, uh, yeah, I was eating pimento cheese <laughs> the whole time. But anyway... 
this commodity cheese. They was in a huddle talking about how great commodity cheese is. And I was like, well, what is that? They said, well, it's when you go down to the government, you got to stand outside in line. So I don't know if it was a food pantry. So it, uh, y'all can do some research, right? I need y'all to talk to y'all elders in y'all community, y'all mom, your grandma's mom and pops, right? If you a younger listener, you grew up, you in your 30s, ask about it, commodity cheese. Because part of the way that they sound it, it's, it's rare that I hear the word scrumptious <laughs> in a circle about food. And my pops used the word scrumptious. So I'm thinking, damn, that like the cheese must have been good. And I'm not, I'm trying to do the vegan thing again, so I'm not eating cheese right now. But it made me think, man, I could I would like some vegan. Well, I guess I can't get vegan, but I would, I think I would derail for some nacho commodity cheese. Cause they said you get a big old brick of it. And what <laughs> my aunt said, they had to put it in a pot on the stove. No microwave, pot on the stove. And put it in there to melt it? Boy. <laughs> that must have been a thick block of cheese. That says about eight or nine inches long of cheese that they would eat. I, I, I'm not revisiting this history in. That's what they said it was to me, commodity cheese. So all y'all that had commodity cheese, I need y'all to hit the DMs and let me know on the, on the Insta or Twitter because I don't know nothing about it, but I'm open to it. Like, this is this the year of full disclosure. I'm going to tell y'all everything about me that y'all ask. Any questions y'all asking me, I'm going to ask. But this is the year of trying new things too. So I'm going to get up on this commodity cheese thing and see if it's good as they said it was. Now, but they did clarify, commodity cheese went for poor people. It was for everybody that wanted cheese, and just like chitlin, chitlins, you know, that black people made a, uh, you know, a delicacy. It, once we made it a delicacy, then they was out in the front of the line, so by the time we get to the store to buy the chitlins, they didn't buy them all. So <laughs> they said you had to get out there early because they, you know, the other day was going to be in the line trying to take out a commodity cheese, and you might not get none. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's your research. That's your homework assignment. First assignment of 2020, if you're listening, to all the listeners out there, commodity cheese. I need somebody to don't Google it because the Googles, the Internet, be extra wrong. Talk to your elders in your community and get back to me because I'm curious about it. I want a commodity cheese sandwich with uh, eggs. Oh, an egg with grilled eggs? Yeah, grilled egg and commodity cheese with kale sprinkles. Oh, yeah, I- I'm on that. I'm on that for sure. Next topic. So, I'm looking through my phone, right? So, if I, if I want to send a, uh, let me see. Say I want to send a text message. This whole world turned into emojis, right? So, if I want to send a, hold on. How do I do it? So, if I, okay, no, not that. Where the emojis at? See, I don't even know how to work my phone. I don't deserve a phone because I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, it's got to be a ghost emoji on here. <laughs> it's got to be, right? <laughs> so so this, this topic is called ghosting. Now, I don't. I need some of y'all out there to help, help me. And I need y'all to get in the DMs and let me know what's up. What's up with the ghosting? Now, so based on my definition of ghosting, well, what I've been told ghosting is, because I've never been ghosted. Right, because I stay in ghost mode, so you can't see me anyway. But if I'm ghosting, I've heard ghosting is where, hey, oh, is anybody's this seat taken? 
don't know about the season, nobody taking. Oh, so what, what brings you here today? Oh, yeah, oh, I, I was here. Y'all still working on a project, you know, I got for work, and, you know, it's due in three weeks. You know, I'm kind of panicky about it. You know, yeah, so, yeah, then you went to your favorite movie? Oh, yeah, I said, I like, yeah, because, you know, uh, dolphins, like, I love when dolphins swim. Because, you know, the other day I was thinking about when I was watching uh, Boys in the Hood for the umpteenth time. Because, <laughs> you know, hey, you got to watch that Boys in the Hood. You know, and then I was thinking about, you know, how blue eyes and brown eyes, the genetics, right? And so you meet somebody and you have a random conversation, right? You know, an hour later, they you got their number. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. That's not as, well, it depends on your age group. So if you, if you 35 plus, you probably do the face-to-face interaction. You got their number at the Starbucks or, you know, wherever you was at Whole Foods, right? You got their number and then you call them, you know, or y'all went out to dinner maybe one time and you never heard from them again. What's up with that? <laughs> like, I, I I don't understand that. Like from what I from what I hear, or ghosting online is, you know, I see you online. Uh, you got, you know, you it can't be one point two million followers, but you got some followers, right? You got seven thousand followers on IG and sixty seven followers on Twitter. You know that to me that tells me you all about that body in the pictures and imagery, right? But your conversation piece ain't right. <laughs> Because don't nobody care about what you said because you ain't said nothing. But either way, you know, I follow you. I, I like your pictures on IG, you know. I tweet a couple times, you know. I'm like, hey, you like, hey, what's up? Send me something. I, you know, I send you a purse in the mail, and then I'm blocked on all your social media. <laughs> and I'll never hear from you again. What's up with that? that that's ghosting. So I, I don't understand ghosting. Why would you do that? Like, I don't get that. If somebody's nice to you, or it's cool to you, then I, why you wouldn't want to stay into that? Why you wouldn't want that? Like for future analysis, future get to hang out, future kickbacks, future events. You know, you always want a plus one on your arm, ladies. You want a handsome man that's kind of, you know, looking like Michael uh, Jordan, B. Jordan. That You want that. You don't want to ghost that guy unless he, you know, Second day, he talking about marrying you, getting you pregnant. Then yeah, you, <laughs> he's a sociopath park. That's where he live at. So you want to leave him alone? But ghosting, mute button, like this, it's a real thing. And I just want to let people know: if you out there ghosting folks, that hurts people's feelings. Everybody needs closure, right? The days of pressing star six seven and blocking people from calling you on your mama's phone. People don't know where you live because they ain't been in your house. Cause you still, you know, you in college or whatever. That days is over. This is a new era. So just be mindful when you ghost somebody, right? I'm using, I'm using right. Am I using properly? Okay, yeah, okay. So when you ghost somebody, there is feelings involved in that. So if I never kissed you, right? If I never swallowed your breath before, I still may be into you, right? If I never held your hand, right, or, or you know, fluffed your hair. Never sniffed the part of your hair, right? Where you got a part that's just enough, a little bit of, uh, you know, little grease. Got your baby hair combed down. I was smelling the baby hair grease. Yeah. Whew. Anyway, yeah, if I ain't never done that to you, like, why would you ghost me? I don't get that. That's I don't understand that. So, yeah, ghosting. People getting hurt out here. That's ghosting. And for the people I done talked to that got ghosted, it's just, it's, it's, you just, it's just a crack. In the soul of a person, and you don't want to do that. 
Because that's what's wrong with society. There's too many people walking around here with, with these cracked souls. And they can't feel, heal themselves. And they, they resort to other means. So don't do that. If you're a ghoster, that's your trash. I'm making a, a, a strong proclamation. If you're a ghoster, you're complete trash. Stop doing that. Please, you hurting people. <laughs> that's, it's not funny that you hurt people. But it's, uh, yeah, just stop ghosting, okay? <laughs> Let's get to this therapy exercise. So, for all you listeners, first-time listeners, therapy exercise assignment, I'm switching it up. So, the first 20, season one, first 19 episodes, next four after that, Facade Podcast, I was in therapy. So, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I had a great black woman helping me navigate the therapy space. I had a breakthrough that was so fundamental that I decided to stop going to therapy. But I want to continue this exercise. So what she would do is ask me a question, and I had to answer the question and explain why. It was always related to hip-hop, right? She's a hip-hop head. Once I get permission to say who she is, I'm going to expose her. Well, no, nah, not expose her, but yeah, I, I didn't mean that. I know she listened. I'm sorry I didn't mean that. But put her, put her out there so y'all can get her services. Absolutely. So this is, this is the question that I'm asking of y'all. So therapy exercise is me. Y'all on my couch. For these last episodes, 23 episodes, you was in my head. I was on your couch. Now I'm putting y'all on my couch. Here's the question. What's the top verse, song, album, and artist of the last decade? Right? Of the, la- of the complete last decade. So in my era, now listen to this. I know it's going to be hard for some of you younger listeners to, to comprehend this. In my era, when an album came out, I didn't get it. The single would drop. All the albums would go to the Source magazine back in the day. Source magazine, Vibe magazine, they would review it and put it in print 30 days later. They worked the single on the radio for 60 to 90 days. Before the album dropped, worked the video on MTV, BT, and then you get it. So I grew up in a crockpot music society. Y'all growing up in a microwave music society. So you get the music instantly. You download it to your phone. I had to play it on a record replay, on a record player, or use uh my oh use my auntie Robert, my auntie Robert's uh my auntie Robert's, uh eight track tape. Ask your go ahead and ask your uh your older people in your family what an eight track is, but it's how it sounded. Do 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 Click, 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 do, 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 do. Yeah, that was an A-track. So that was my, my Luther Vandross novice offering singing. But in the middle of the song, it would switch tracks and go click, click twice and then get back to the song. So <laughs> that was nuts. But anyway, the, I digress. That's a different era. But yeah, that that's that's the time that I grew up in. But this era is totally different. Right, so you get you get music instantly to your phone. You get to download it. You get to stream it. I said I would never stream, so I still buy music. But after sorting through, that's why I took. I brought the information about the time. It's because I took time. I didn't want to do my facade podcast on the first January first and be like, these are the greatest songs of the day. Yeah, like everybody else did. I want to soak it in. So I spent about eighty hours listening to music, man. <laughs> and after all that time. This to me, this song to me, right, is the greatest hip-hop song of the decade, right? Sorry, the greatest verse. The greatest verse of the decade, it belongs to my man Pusha T on Palmolive, right, Freddie Gibbs. If you, if you ain't 
I love old school hip hop. Freddie Gibbs is the closest thing to old school hip hop I've heard in a long time. But this verse right here, uh, extra slap. Look, real bars are the ill bars. These scars are the only real proof they couldn't kill gods. My coke hand is still sketching out my memoirs. What I did to door panels on the wind stars. Gym stars left cuts in the dinner place. It's new stash spots, the AC don't just ventilate. Take over your blocks, young niggas assimilate. We all break bread like going Dutch on a dinner date. The love of your life, rap nigga, wear fake watches. The serial number don't match the gift boxes. The bezel on her Batlon blue. Due to Tanache, the bitch told me two-tone rollies was too blase. Yeah. Way more chemical than political. PTSD from what I weighed on the digital. It was snowfall and Reagan gave me the visual. Obama opened his doors knowing I was a criminal. I took a risk. I took a brick. Took a road trip to a Motel 6. Get it wholesale and you know I won't tell shit. Ride coattails, then he really won't that lit. Just another in the mix, nigga. I'm rich, nigga. Tell me, is you Alpo or Mitch, nigga? Bet it all, roulette all on my wrist, nigga. Like Cleo setting it all, taking your bitch, nigga. Ooh! Ugh. <laughs> so hold on, two lines. Pusha said, it was snowfall, and Reagan gave me the visual. Obama opened his doors knowing I was a criminal. So if you'd have seen Snowfall on FX, you know, and the time setting is doing Reaganomics, right, doing uh, Iran-Contra, Oliver North, man. And then he said, we all break bread like going Dutch on a dinner date. <laughs> all right, man. Push, King Push, I love that. And what does good, well, hey, to all my uh, listeners that's of Dutch descent, what do that got to do? Yeah, explain it to me. I don't know what that was going Dutch. I know what it means, like we both pay separate. But what's that have to do with Dutch people and culture and tradition? Anyway, I side guess. So, yeah, that's that's my greatest verse of the last decade. This song right here, <laughs> this song, this my favorite song right here. Pop out. <laughs> Polo G Little DJ, I love this song. This is the song that I love the most right here. Yeah, we pop out at your party. I'm with the gang, and it's gonna be a robbery. So tuck your chain. I'm a killer girl, I'm sorry, but I can't change. We ain't aiming for your body. Shots hit your brain. We come from poverty, man, we ain't have a thing. It's a lot of animosity, but they won't say my name. Them killers rock with me, little nigga, don't get banged. Cause they'll do that job for me while I hop on the plane. She don't like her body, left the doctor with a new shape. Blowing up my phone, cause she just see me with my new babe. Heartbreaker ladies love me like I'm Cool J She was trying to cling on to a nigga But it's too late Booked the flight to Cali Rocks and condoms in my suitcase And every single dollar in these bands Got a blue face Diamonds in the rollie They in HD like it's Blu-ray The way that I've been balling Should make the cover a 2K Show out for the summer I might pull up in a new race This another gang That's gonna only get your crew chased And we haul shit down Better tighten up your shoelace Liberal get up close And let the Glock 22 spray We pop out at your party uh, I'm with the gang, and it's gonna be a, a robbery. robbery. So, so tuck your chain. Like Debo, it's gonna be a robbery. <laughs> so you better tuck your chain, sucker. 
Oh, I love that energy. His energy, right? It's a lot of animosity, but they won't say my name. I feel, oh, I feel that. I feel that. I be, I be moving through spaces. I've been to academy at conferences. I talked about black professorial elitism. I met some black people that's professors. Yeah, they practicing anti-blackness. They, they, they like, they here to move a certain type of black, a polished black, you know, like the like Black Panther. They won't rock with the killmongers of the world like myself. Yeah, it's a lot of animosity. Oh, but they gonna say my name. I love that. Hey, I, I try to get, I got a lot of homies. They stuck in the 90s hip-hop. Polo G, yeah. To, he gonna, this decade right here, him, G Herbo, Luzi Vert, they, the industry finna be different. These young cats finna make the industry different. And part of the reason why it's because it's the, the little knowns, right? So even though you got stars out there, extra stars, they shine bright, starlight, star bright. They get, you got to get dig in the crates for the extra hits. So this 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 a burner by Anderson Pac. Well, it's by Game featuring Anderson Pac. Yeah, stainless. Rolling on the 105. I don't drink when I drive. But I gotta do it high, blow smoke in the sky. It's something you should try. Swear to God, it's a vibe. Got the stainless on my side. This pretty thing by my side. Says she rolling with the vibe. Yeah, she rolling with the vibe. With the vibe. She rolling with the vibe. She rolling with the vibe. 2 a.m. I was all alone. Lamborghini truck in shadow. All day long, just calling my phone. You and your friends when the tag. I'm tripping and I'm dripping. Lambo truck with blue laces. Tell Nipsey it's crippin'. Uh-huh. Zill to 60, still shoot it with precision. He's a strong man, boss. You niggas sit down while you piss. Sit down. Pitching me rolling like Pac, nigga. But I ain't Pac, nigga. Nope. I be in that beamer with a cock, nigga. Death click, road click. chain just for the trip. I'm not affiliated. Mm. West side, nigga, so they really hate it. I be bang, out in bang, Las Vegas at the MGM by the crap tables and some MCM. Mm. And it's Monday, I'm looking like somebody MCM. Niggas better watch they bitches, I be in DMs. <laughs> baby Lane killed Pop, niggas killed Baby Lane. Mm. Buntree was busting back, Heron died in his chain. A fatal car crash killed Fatal Hussein. R.I.P. Gaddafi, riding down memory lane. So let me say something about Game. He's one of the most underrated MCs. He's in my top 10, for sure top 5 if we just talking about the last decade. Game got hits, y'all. <laughs> He got a disc that's nuts. Bangers. West Side bangers. And one thing, Game game is a historian of music. His references to Pac and just the history of hip-hop, West Coast. Whew, man, he, he helped the West Coast stay afloat. Transitioned it nice and well. So that, that's my joint. That's my underground joint. I listen to hip-hop on a day. So I know some of y'all, you probably haven't heard that song because y'all ain't in the crates like me, and I don't hold it against you. But that's the joint, Stainless. Game featuring Anderson Pop. And this song right here, that's next, this is the song that y'all thought, that they thought, yeah, was the best song of the decade. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it did slam. It slammed. Yeah, in a, in a way, because I'm from Oklahoma, so I appreciate the country this is in it.
Yeah, they can't tell me nothing. <laughs> In this age of stream, it's a little Nas X. I appreciate them. Old Town Road remix. That's Billy Ray on it. It sounds great. That's my man Vince Staples. Love him. Vince is great. Check his this saga out. It's, it's nuts. So I didn't know they had a this this video is a film. I didn't know they had a film, Old Town Road film. It was kind of entertaining. I liked it. They mixed it up a little bit. And so yeah, it was just it was the it was the year of trying to break through. Right? So in, in this in this year, people saying Lisso is not a uh, mainstream artist. Not mainstream. What's the a pop artist? She's hip hop. But to me, Lizzo ain't hip hop. But it's the example of trying to push black people into this one bubble. Right, so to me, Lil Nas X is a country music artist who raps. Lizzo is a pop artist who raps, but she sings too. Right, and he sings too. They not a part of hip hop culture. They a part of hip hop culture, but they not MCs. I don't see them as MCs within the vein of the gutter of hip hop. Right, they they branching it out, and the culture need to be just like Nelly was branching it out, doing his thing, going down, down, baby. Oh, shining, you guys about to get physical. Gonna let it go. Yeah, like like that. that. That's that's what they doing with the culture now. And so that's yeah, that right there. That, them is my songs of the decade. I, cu- I couldn't put pick one song of the decade. But yeah, them them three them three songs pop out. Stainless. Yeah, Old Town Road. Them, them is my songs. Now album of the year. This MC don't never get no love, like he should. And I support him. I got I bought every album that he's ever dropped, from Port of Miami one to Port of Miami two. So it's the big homie, Rick Ross. This is Summer Rain, <laughs> featuring, ironically, Summer Walker. Summer Rain. Let's let the top down. Let's let the top down. Convertible music. All I ask is that you hold it down for me. Cause you told me you would be my everything If it's love, then baby, put it on me We could hustle this together, you and me Cause I told you I could be everything If it's love, then baby, put it on me Double M, the logo, let the hustle take its course I let you fuck me once, you wanna make me yours uh. 
Gucci shopping bags, I stuff them in a four by fours. Uh -huh. Stop at Louis, post a picture, kill them, no remorse. Ooh. Kill a license, light a candle, come mm. and fuck the boy. Mm. Whisper nothing's in my ear, you know nothing, that I'll enjoy. Nothing, nothing, nothing. What you talking, not a problem, cause I handle yours. I'll handle that. 50 stacks of pocket, really just for amateurs. 50, 50. Licking on your neck, might wake up pissing in the cup. <laughs> Bell at bottles on ice just for me to bust. Right? When you do it like I do, I make you fall in love. Uh, Never slipping, uh, but the difference is the all above. All I ask is that you hold it down, down for me. me. I saw God bitch uh, on me. Yeah, that's man. Whew, that joint there. Yeah, but hey, you got to show the range, right? So the range album, big time. Swiss Beats. Oh, this Swiss Beats talking on a Just Blaze track. Rick Ross on the poetry. Hey, Just, this religious. God damn it, Blaze. Surviving our Kelly Register pedophiles. Trying to feed all my niggas and spread the cheddar. Trying to feed them. Got a castle in Cali where I quote the Quran. It's a major full of guns and I pass it for time. I just spoke to Meech, I think I'm Pacino. De Niro, I think I'm Pacino. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say to y'all. That, that's yeah. If you if you don't know, you don't know. That's my favorite album of the whole decade. Yeah, Port of Miami too. Last but not least, though, my top artists, and y'all know, man, I, I don't I make no, I don't hide it at all. Favorite artists of the decade. Section 80 drop in 2011. Good Kid Mass City drop in 2012. Tapimba Butterfly drop in 2015. And damn! <laughs> Dropped in 2017. Yeah. Kendrick Lamar, K Dot. Yeah, that's that. I didn't, I didn't ran on. I didn't ran on. I ain't going to keep bringing it up, but we know who it is. It's K Dot. That's my guy. Favorite artist of the decade. He put it down. Four classics. Him and Kanye, the only ones that got four classic albums in hip-hop ever. Right? Solo artists. I'm not going to get into it any further. But, yeah, that's that's the end of my therapy exercise. Yeah, we 46 minutes in. So now we finna get it to, you guessed it, either or, neither nor. Man, I'm going to start here. I'm going to tell y'all. I told y'all about this NFL. Well, I'm going to start here, and now I'm going to address it on the backside. I want to announce on national television that I personally am going to take it upon myself, whether it's to communicate with the NFL League office, whether it's to communicate with owners, whether it's to sit up here and raise holy hell, whether it's to recruit my contemporaries in this business to address it. We got a problem. This is some BS. Ain't no way around this. We moving in a reverse direction. We're moving in a reverse direction. Black men are not being treated fairly in the National Football League. Somebody got to say it. Somebody got to say it. You got to be kidding me. 
when when I, the stuff that has happened over the last year for this stuff to go on and we just gonna sit up here and have a sports conversation? No, I ain't having no damn sports conversation at this particular moment. Something wrong. Now the National Football League or somebody else, we got to change this Rudy rule. is bogus, clearly, because it's being bypassed. The original intent, what it was intended to produce, is being circumvented. And black men in the National Football League are being ostracized from key positions in the National Football League. Somebody needs to say it. The NFL, league owners, the world of sports, sports talk television, sports radio, y'all are going to be hearing from me. Something got to be done. Something got to be done. What's going to be done, Stephen A? So, give me give you complete context. So, Stephen A is the most paid sports personality on ESPN. His punditry is classic because it mixes black culture with his empirical knowledge of sports, right? And I get that and appreciate it 100%. Now, we got three black coaches in the NFL. And I don't want to say we because I'm not a part of that. It's three black coaches in the NFL. Right? And the sad thing is, so we got Chargers, Dolphins, Steelers. All those those players, those teams got black coaches. Three black coaches. So his point is, and I and I made this point before, and this will this is what baffles me about Stephen A and all these other black pundits, is when Kaepernick was doing his kneeling thing. Y'all was throwing him under the bus and calling himself righteous and you know, saying that the NFL was stand up. And then when you look at you got 32 teams and only three black coaches, but the NFL is 70% black players, y'all be looking around like, hey, something ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kaepernick was telling you something ain't right. You see how they treated him? And that's the thing. If you if you allow them to come for one of us, they're going to come for all of us. You know? And so Stephen A., they're going to make these eloquent arguments about, yeah, they want black bodies, but they don't want black minds. Because the black athlete is how they get their paper. And the black coach, they got to pay absorbing amounts of cash to keep the coach. And the black man is not smart enough to... Come on, y'all. Y'all know what it is. And what's funny about it is that black men, y'all going to still be watching the NFL. (laughs) Right? If there was no black coaches in the NFL, it's black men that's still going to watch the NFL. They're going to put their jersey on and wear it with pride. (laughs) This is my third year boycotting the NFL. Yeah, I'm not watching. NFL is trash. NBA is fantastic. Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, even though we don't got Russ, we got Chris Paul. We're we going to make it to the playoffs. We gonna, I don't know if we going to get the first round, but, hey, that's neither here nor there. Don't complain, black sports pundits, about how black men is getting treated as coaches when y'all wasn't complaining when the same people was stomping on cap. <laughs> They had a hypocrisy up and all. That's what it is. Until we unite as a people and be like, yeah, we all boycotting, they're going to keep treating us the same. Imagine if it was only three black professors in all of the universities, <laughs> right? Or it was only three black pilots, three black firemen. Y'all would be losing y'all minds. Y'all be trying to go to Supreme Court. But three black coaches, that don't bother you because you get to watch a game on your couch. <laughs> Again, I could have freed more. If they only was known that they was a slave. Woo! Shut the Harriet. <laughs> That's my either. Now, this right here, this is my or. So, let me be clear. Just so y'all know, I watch a lot of TV over the break. 
Woo! So as a professor, turned in my grades, semester ended December 5th, turned in my grades by December 12th, and I worked out and watched TV on Netflix, binge watched from December 13th to December to January 13th, 30 straight days. I watched Bad Blood. Woo! Bad Blood is better than, oh, man, what's the name of the one? It's about, it's about the Canadian drug connection. It's extra dope. Oh, man. I watched, uh, oh, what else did I watch? The Circle. I like The Circle. <laughs> uh, the Circle is a really, that's, The Circle is where TV watching is heading, where people don't interact, but they interact with just a computer to interact with each other, even though I can't see you or meet you. Which goes to catfishing. So, listen, catfishing to me is nuts. How can you fall in love with somebody you've never seen or ever met? Yeah, which was, yeah, I don't understand that. Was going to the love after lockup. Why would you meet any, why would you marry anybody that was, had been in prison when you met them? How do you meet people in prison? How, is there a date now for prisoners? <laughs> I mean, hey, love who you gonna love, but that is, yeah, I, I don't understand it. But, what was crazy to me is my or 90 day language fiance. <laughs> so I'm watching, I'm watching 90 day fiance and it's this couple on there. They don't speak the same language. Like he's from, he's from, um, I don't know. Golik's Golik, Golik Island. <laughs> I made, I totally made it up. He's from a European country. He don't speak English. She's from the United States. She got three kids. He don't have no kids, right? And what's crazy about it is they communicate over the phone. So the thing that they have in common is bees. So he loves bees. I don't know what you call it. Would you a bee, biologist? Be, uh, yeah, Aquila and the biologist? <laughs> I don't know what you call it if you like bees. I, I'm gonna have, Look that up for me. What's it called when you have bees? You like bees. And so anyway, yeah, it's... Uh, Nuts. An episode, they's talking about his kids. Her kids called him stupid. And then he was like, I don't like it. But the conversation is she speaks into the phone, and then the phone translates and types out what she says. What? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't care if Halle Berry couldn't speak English. I'm not, I'm not dating nobody that I can't communicate with. We're not doing that. We can't fall in love. Either I'm going to learn your language. I'm going to get on, uh, oh, what's that called? Oh, man, I can't remember. Uh, oh, Pizzle? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm going to give me a watch. I'm going to download it, and I'm going to learn your language. And I'm going to talk to you because you're going to be the love of my life. That's what that's, We're going to fall in love. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be great. He got 90 days. They got 90 days to get married uh, or he loses visa. Like That's the premise of 90 Day Fiance, which is a great show. Because some people have been in touch forever. Like this one couple, they had a baby and everything. And they was, you know, he was just trying. They was living in Russia because he didn't file the paperwork for the baby. So they had to wait extra days and move to the United States. So I get that. But if I just meet you, I got 90 days to determine that I love you. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. To all my single friends out there, and if you just friends of the Facade Podcast, it don't take 10 years to marry somebody. Real talk. Real talk, if I, if I just had the opportunity, I probably could fall in love in like six years. <laughs> but I can know if I can marry you in like 18 days. That's, that's, 
That's real talk. We need to live together so I can see how filthy or not you are, right? I need to test drive the vehicle, right? I need to make sure the intellect, the conversation is extra great. Um, do you like my cooking? Because I cook. Yeah, so I, I do the um, the black eyed pea, kale, and uh, peach smoothie. You might not like that. It's extra bomb. Try it. Hey, just, just me giving it to you. Yeah, so you, if you don't like my cooking, I mean, we got things that we got to work out. You know, I got kids. It's, a, it's, all, it's, it's just a mix. It's a hodgepodge of things that we can work through. 18 days. I'm marrying her. I, I would know. On the 19th day, I'm telling you, you don't get your visa, or I'm saying let's do it. Yeah, and we can do it. We Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's fall in love. <laughs> But yeah, you just you got to be careful. Oh, so sad, bar. This is one lady. So this guy, he's like forty five, and she's like twenty five, and so she's uh oh, is she in Honduras, somewhere like that, and he gives her the unlimited black card. She charged the car on that joint. <laughs> Before she came to the United States. Then she came to the United States. He was like, "Where's the car at?" She was like, "Oh, my sister's using it for her business." <laughs> He got extra hustle. But then when they, uh, he wanted her to sign a prenup, she was hurting. <laughs> so I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to get married. <laughs> but yeah, 90 Day Fiance. I mean, language is, love is a language. And, you know, I just got turned on to five love languages, right? What's that? What's that about? Shout out to Mo. Five love languages, right? And so, yeah, yeah that's kind of different. But, uh, yeah, just think about it. Yeah, if I can't speak, if we can't speak language, we can't love. So I ain't no love if there's no language. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, so that, that's, that's the end of that. My neither nor, though. <laughs> so my neither begins with this interview. So I, I'm going to let you hear it. And, and you got li- to listen to it, right? You got to extra listen to it. It's an interview between, um, oh, man, what's her name? She does, uh, hold on, let me pull it up. She's uh, Jane. She's Jane. Uh, Jane the Virgin. Yeah, she's Jane the Virgin, right? On the backside of the interview, I'm going to get into it. I don't know. With his character, it's very interesting because he just, he toggles between this sweet sort of, uh, like on Gossip Girl, it might have been Twee when I was Dan, but now in this different context, it's somehow people find it that it has far more depth and they find it far more roguish and charming. And it's like, well, yeah, it's just because I'm killing people in the next scene. And maybe it's like, there's something about that that we're not evolved enough yet to like, to oh. not be attracted to. This is, this oh. is the evil white man thing that I'm, it's like, you know, as much as, as much as we're progressing, um, <laughs> I shouldn't, shouldn't maybe make that a tagline. When I, when I say that, <laughs> when I say that, what I mean, what I mean is, um, is like the cultural norms that we're that that we're still all indoctrinated by that uh, that that incline us to forgive a certain kind of person, namely someone who looks like myself. That statement, it we need to spend the next decade doing research, right? <laughs> so this interview, so Variety has a show. It's called Actors on Actors. I love watching it, right? So you got Pin Bagdagley, <laughs> Bagley. I know that's wrong. Yeah, and Gina Rodriguez. That's Jane the Virgin. Gina Rodriguez, right? And so they interview each other, and they just ask these questions. And so I was on Netflix. I watched You season one, then I just watched You season two. Man, spoiler alert. So here's something about crazy. So I think that crazy is cool with being crazy because it ain't met crazy. But when crazy meet crazy and see what crazy really is, 
that first crazy rethink what crazy is. <laughs> you dig? So Joe, who's crazy, that's Penn's character, in U1, he's a murderer, right? So he, he, he's consumed by love and a woman. And when she don't give him the love that he wants, he kills her and all her friends. Well, at first he isolates her from all of her friends. Then he kills her, which is, man, nuts. But season two is even better than season one. I won't give away the ending. Keep your eyes out for crazy. All my friends out there that's dating online, Tinder, uh, what else is it? Uh, Grinder, whatever apps you on, just be mindful that crazy's out there looking for you. <laughs> And if you look long enough, crazy gonna find you. And I'm gonna be praying for y'all. So I hope you don't. If you crazy, some of y'all look crazy. It can crazy. A little crazy is cool. But if overwhelmingly you crazy, yeah, <clears throat> it's okay. Counseling. I'm a pro for counseling. Get it. But what he said is in the interview, he, he mentions the part about the evil white man, which I thought was very insightful about this notion of. How we're America is willing, how we're willing to forgive the transgression of the evil white man, right? And then he rolls it back, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, I really shouldn't say that. I really shouldn't say that, right?" But he knows what that is, what that character is, and how he says, "How we forgive, willing to forgive that person that's evil and white quicker than we are people of color who exhibit evil, evil behaviors." Two, I thought that was very. I would have, I would have leaned in and said, "Please elaborate on that." Let's further unpack that. But I totally get it. It just it just goes to the benefits, right, of what it means to be white. To be white in America, just you you in the highest order of the hierarchy. You at the top, right? You got all the benefits. You always presumed as as innocent, right? Now when my white colleagues and friends say, "What can I do to help black and brown people?" I always say, "Use your white privilege to benefit to open doors." Right, but I'm moving beyond my point. But my point is, I like that. I like his insight, right, about that, about how he could be a killer. But in the interview, <laughs> he first he goes on. He uses the term thirsty, so I'm not gonna use it anymore. So once once vocabulary that's created in the culture leaks out of the culture, I stop using it. So I use the word thirsty and about how women are thirsty on Twitter. On the, the man, the internet is nuts. He said it's women out there that's asking him to kidnap them. What? <laughs> Absolutely not. Ladies, you don't want to get kidnapped. <laughs> Especially by somebody like Joe. Because he's going to kill you. When you say you don't love him no more, he's going to kill you. Yes. Yeah, so don't do that. Stray as far away from that as you can. So that's my neither. Right? But my nor? Man. I got to exhale. Is mechanic honesty, right? So I don't know how many of y'all got cars. If I lived in a city where I didn't have a car, didn't need a car to get to work or pick up my kids, I wouldn't own a car. So I got a car, right? And I went in, took the car in. They was like, hey, you got a problem with the gas tank and the CPV valve and it's staying shut and it's gonna it's shutting your motor down in your car. And I was like, man, well, how, that don't sound bad, bad. He said, it's didn't it's didn't your uh, gas canister. And so because of that, you know, it's making your car stall out. And I was like, well, my car don't need to be stalling now. That's absolute trash. And so he was like, yeah, that's what's happening. And I was like, well, how much is it going to cost to fix it? He was like, well, you know, depending on how we do it, I can pull back some labor, you know, uh, $2,100. $2,100? <laughs> 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 
hell to the no, 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 hell to the no. I was like, yeah, man, 2100? It's a Ford. It's my daughter's car. It's a Ford, 2100? So, went to Oklahoma City. Then you got the, the mechanic that hooks it up that my pops is connected with. My daddy got 50-year relationships, right? And so, took it there. He was like, yeah, it's only going to be 800. I was like, what? And the part was like 195, and the 600 was labor. <laughs> so I'm here, I'm here to tell you. Y'all going to hear me? This is my declaration. 2020, I'm getting rid of all my cars. It's time. Time me to get rid of I'm either I'm going to get my Tesla by the end of the year, or I'm going to get rid of my cars. That, yeah, I got, I got, that's my or. I got to get rid of my cars because mechanics ain't honest. It's no, that range is too broad. I can't take my car in and say, hey, I need to get it fixed. And you say it's $2,100. Then I take the same diagnostic printout to somebody else and they say it's $800. And the part is $195 and the labor $600. $600? $600? Come, $600. Come on. $600? <laughs> That's nuts, man. I hey, if you're a mechanic, I don't trust you. I'm sorry. I never met you. I don't trust you. And there's some good mechanics out there, I'm sure. Some of y'all daddies is mechanics, y'all brothers, some of y'all mamas, and y'all sisters and aunties. I don't trust none of them. Because it's too, yeah, your labor shouldn't be $600. You ain't delivered a baby. $600? You ain't anesthesiologist. I don't got you on retainer as an attorney. $600? You ain't making me beats on or under because you ain't blew up yet. $600? Come on now. You ain't Christian, a pair of Christian Louis Vuittons, you know, high heels, 120 millimeter pitch, $600? Get out of here, man. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So, yeah, that's that's my that's my nor. Yeah, that's my nor. I, I'm not, I don't, yeah, I don't appreciate that. That's extra trash. And so if you're a mechanic, salute to you. I should have been a mechanic so I can get that long money hustling, folks, $2,100. Get out of here, man. Come on now. We're not, yeah, we're not, I'm, I'm getting, I feel my, my, man, my, I'm, yeah. We moving on. Next section. Ooh, this is my favorite. What we not gonna do. So, before we get into it, I got my merch. Yeah. Facade Podcast merch. Facade Podcast on the front. What we not gonna do on the back. My listeners know what it is. Yeah, it's up. Get at me if you know me, me. Me, 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 personally, cash app, dollar sign for side podcast. I bring it to your doorstep or mail it to your doorstep. If you don't, you're going to have to go online. Website to be this up this week, head to the Southwest Black Leadership Conference. I'm going to see y'all out there. We're going to slang these T's. <laughs> we definitely going to slang these T's, yeah. But what we're not going to do is continue with the criticism of D-Wade. Like, I'm just not having it. Like, everybody has had their moment. Right, where you did something that was extra trash, <laughs> right? And so you should have, because you're in a public figure, you know, people, they, they came for his son, came for his wife, come for him. And so I'm not really, I don't really, I don't, I peruse social media, but I don't be in the no, no. And so I haven't cried in a long time. Let me, so let me be the first to say, I love black men. Black boy joy, whole thing, I love it. I haven't cried in a minute. But when I see this, when I saw this, this buzz for you for three about D-Wade and people showing their appreciation, yeah, this, man, I'm, I'm going to play a portion of it. It just brought me to tears. And then, uh, in, yeah, I'll talk about it on the backside. 
I have no idea who's coming. Like, literally, no idea. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Dwayne. Hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, and yourself? It's been about 12 years since I last seen you. I come from an area where not too many people make it. It was always my dream that I'd get the chance to go to college, but we just didn't have the money. You mean so much to us, and my brother Joaquin loved you from the beginning. He passed away in Parkland on February 14th. He was one of the 17 victims. 10 days before Christmas, our house burned down and we lost everything. It was one of the lowest points in my life. Hey, Dwight. How you doing, Ma? You were the joy of my life. But I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was going to have to turn myself in. And I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Man. <laughs> I feel like she talking to me. Tears, I'm would, I would crying right now. Man, so the, the video, so he's standing on the basketball court and all the people that he helped, this, this uh, one Latina sister gave him her graduation cap and gown when she graduated because he paid for her college. This brother gave him uh, the suit coat that he wore to his first interview because Wade supported him. Uh, this uh, uh, one brother died, and uh, gave, they gave him the jersey that he wore when he was playing. He bought his mama a church, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a give back, man. Like, the give back... I mean, I, you know, I want I want to get rich. I want to get these Rolexes on roll on roll on roll on Lex on Lex on Lex. But the main reason why I want to get money is so I can put the people I love on and help the people that I don't. Man, I seen this video. I was like, man, it was just, oh, when you're in a position to give. Sometimes I believe this is the God. This ain't the God podcast. But sometimes I believe God puts you in a position to win only because he wants you to put other people in a position to win bigger than you. And this is, I think this is a perfect example of that right there. It just, man, it's just a, it's just a lovely, it's a lovely commercial, man. And I know some of y'all, y'all ain't gave a dime to nobody ever, right? But you're critiquing Dwayne Wade and saying he should have gave more. He should have did more, right? He, he just need to shut up and then dribble and all that. Y'all trash, if you ain't never gave a dime out your pocket to somebody else, you trash. Not that we should all be philanthropic, but, you know, what is enough? I had this conversation with people that I, that I know. It's two enoughs. The first one is, what is enough for me to have? Is it $100,000 a year? Is it $5 million a year? What is enough that I know I got enough? And then second enough is, what is enough that you do to me that makes me say enough? I'm dumping with you. Yeah, totally dumping with you. Yeah, what is enough? And so Dwayne Wade, what we're not going to do is trash Dwayne Wade no more. I don't hear no foulness coming out y'all mouths about Dwayne Wade. I'm going to get on Twitter and get blocked like I got blocked by Kendrick Perkins <laughs> this week because he was talking bad about Kevin, uh, Kevin uh, Durant vacating Oklahoma City and Durant got on his head for averaging three points in the series. And I said something about Kendrick and he blocked me. <laughs> 
So I got these Twitter beefs. After I got into it with Just Blaze, last year I was like, hey, I'm done with the beefing with celebrities. But hey, bring it on, celebrities. We gonna, Let me get the blue check. I get the blue check. I'm going to beef with all y'all. But for now, I'm just going to take my 1,200 followers on Twitter and we're going to do our thing. So what we're not going to do is continue to criticize my man, Dwayne Wade, the uh, second best two guard in the history of the game, however y'all want to rank him. Anyway, so got a section in the side podcast called Tom Bout, where people ask me questions. The question that was posed to me was the following. Man, that punch was smooth. <laughs> question is, yeah, for Tom Bout, what do you think of the Nipsey Hustle book club? Full context, Los Angeles Times. Nipsey Hussle was a bookworm. Now black men are finding inspiration in what he read. This is a piece by Angela Jennings, published on January 5th, 2020. Reads a little bit like this. How many times as black men have we heard something before and had nothing to do but bite our tongues? Reron Cash, his tattooed forearms resting on his knees, curled a paperback, revered by curled a paperback. Oh, yeah, curled a paperback. Uh, revered by late Nipsey Hussle in his hand, and, man, I'm, I'm totally killing this. <laughs> he didn't really mean it. As a question, and other black men huddled around him at the coffee table in Boyle Heights knew not to answer. Once a month, Cash and a group of men come together for the Marathon Book Club, one of several chapters across the country that were founded after Hustle was killed outside his South Los Angeles clothing store in March. And after the aftermath of his death, fans, fans grasped for him for two ways. Right, Some of them made a pilgrimage to his shop on Slauson Avenue. Others painted murals of his face beside buildings. And then it says a 31-year-old fan from Wisconsin created a meme listing of all the books that Hustle has mentioned in his interviews, songs, uh, motivational speeches, and messages that she had been compiling for years. Right, It includes self-help bestsellers, cult classics, and little-known books. Right, And so I, I, I cut it there. What is, what is what I think about it is, it's beautiful. Like, I've always heard this falsity that said, if you want to hide it, if you don't want black people to know about it, put it in a book because we don't read. And that's clearly a lie. <laughs> right? I'm a professor. I read too much. I don't get to read for leisure. This is how much I read. But black people read. Like, we can't read. We're literate. Right? And, and the book list that she had, it's just, just a couple of the books. Uh, Blood in My Eye by George Jackson. Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey. Right? Contagious by Jonah Berger. How to Eat to Live by Elijah Muhammad. Um, the Richest Man in Babylon by George Classen, The Spook Who Said By The Door by Sam Greenlee. Man, they even got 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene, which is, yeah, one of my favorites, and Solo Nice by Eldridge Cleveland. It's, it's a little bit more on the list, but what I think about it is, hey, black if black men can utilize hip-hop to bond together, right, to elevate ourselves, our minds and our people, man, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm signing up. Sign me up for it. I like to create a, a book reading list where I'm at. But, I, hey, man, people, they got time. They going to do what they going to do. I stick closer to I'm like Drake. No, no friends. No, no friends. No, no, no. So the people that's in my clique, they in my clique. If you was locked in, yeah, if you got the rebate before, we switched to the 5G, you straight for the rest of your life. <laughs> 2020, no new friends. I don't want no new friends. I, I give you the head nod, but if we ain't friends now, yeah, you, you're not. I don't have space for you. So I think it's just a great idea. Everybody should read. If I can create a book club here, I will. We'll see. 
But I love that. Hip-hop plus intellectualism. Oh, man. Absolutely great. <laughs> hey, we come to the detangle. Yeah, we, we at the end of the Facade Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. And the detangle is about living in the past, present, or future. Let me give you some clarification. So anybody that sends me a text message, yep, it's been deleted. Just so you know, <laughs> I, with my iPhone and set it to deletion, 24 hours. And so every time I get a text, I delete it. It deletes itself after 24 hours. And here's why. So I know people that save text messages from forever. I won't mention no names, but they save them for forever. I don't do that, right? I don't live in the past. I don't like to reminisce in a visual, verbal, or auditory way, right? My memory was made to be fleeting, right? So I'm going to forget and the most prominent memories will stay right where they at, where I can access those memories, right? And so I remember when I was back in the day, I, I had a friend that we no longer friends. I won't say his name. We no longer friends. And he didn't come to my dissertation defense and ask him why. And he said he was mad because I got I started the program after him and graduated before him. And he was angry. He didn't come, and that hurt my feelings. And we went through a text exchange, and it was ugly, right? And maybe like seven months later, we was cool, but I read them text messages, and it took me right back to the space of anger that I was in when he sent them seven, seven months before, and we had cleared it up, and I got mad all over again, and we interacted again, and, and we ain't spoke since, right? And I blame it on me. If it wasn't for them text messages, me reading them, I wouldn't have been back in an emotion. So I don't, I don't delete, I delete text messages. If you left me a voice message, I deleted it. Right? I'm not supposed to be able to access it because what it's going to do is catapult me emotionally back to the space I was in. So if I really loved you and I don't speak to you anymore, then I'm going to be mad. If I, we fell out, yeah, I'm going to be mad er at you. Right? You know, if you are in the past, if you are you deceased, like I'm supposed to cherish your memory, but I'm not supposed to have access to it. In my mind, that's what I got a brain for. Right? And so, yeah, that's past if i if i'm caught in the past i can't be in the present if i can't be in the present because i'm connected to the, my emotional anger from the past and i damn so can't be in the future with you and that's extra trash because i want to be in the future i want to create new memories right my old memories are great but i want to create new memories it's a lot of people that's you know 2020 is the year full disclosure i'm gonna say i'm gonna say exactly what i want to say to everybody. There's people I haven't told them I love you because I'm worried about your toxic masculinity. <laughs> so when I see you, brothers, y'all don't know who y'all are. When I see you, I'm going to tell you I love you. And if you get mad, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. I'm going to tell you that I love you. And it's a lot of people that I'm going to tell you, drink bleach. <laughs> In 2020. Because you should have been told and nobody checked you. And I didn't because I thought you was beyond reproach. But I don't care anymore. It ain't going to impact me at all. Two million authors. And so that's, yeah, that's where I want to be in the space, full disclosure. So anyway, that concludes the Facade Podcast. I want to thank y'all for listening. We drop in every other Sunday from here on out. 2020, I'm dedicated to a time and space and a place for the Facade Podcast. So spread the word. We got the new merch that's about to drop. We about to be on the road. Southwest Black Leadership Conference. Ooh, 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 Student Leadership Conference, Texas A&M, this week. Then we're going to be in uh, the Big 12 Conference in Norman at University of Oklahoma. February 20th. Yeah. So we've been taking the Facade Podcast on the road. I love to come to your university and help you unpack them difficult topics to discuss. Like, yeah, why we have anti-blackness 
and how we going to use hip-hop, Kendrick's damn album, to dissect it. So anyway, get at me. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Side Podcast is written and produced by me. Original theme music by Taylor Latrey. Audio editing by me. If you enjoyed the Facade Podcast, help me spread the word by telling a student, friend, family member, or co-worker about the show. Follow Facade Podcast playlist on Spotify where you can find music playlists created by DJ Chuck Diesel. Also, be sure to introduce yourself at Facade Podcast on Twitter and Facade Pod on IG. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you in two weeks.